You're listening to The Purple Stethoscope. I am your host, Devin Nixon, family nurse practitioner. None of the information provided in this podcast is intended to nor sufficient to diagnose your personal medical issue, but there is a lot to learn, so let's start the show. Hello, and welcome back to The Purple Stethoscope. I am your host, Devin Nixon, advanced registered nurse practitioner, And I am back to talk with you all about wellness. We are transitioning into a wellness series. And this information, again, applies to everyone. Health and wellness go together uh, really closely. The difference between health and wellness is uh, one is objective and one is subjective. We know how healthy a person is by looking at their blood pressure, their cholesterol, whether or not they're diabetic, we weigh people. We can obtain objective evidence to show whether or not a person is healthy. Wellness is different. I can't look at you or measure anything to know how well you are. And there are some key things that factor into our wellness. Mental health, absolutely for sure is one. What we're putting in our bodies, uh, be it food and substances, will definitely affect our wellness. Whether or not we move our body affects our wellness. Uh, But wellness, oh, and, and sleep, I can't mention, I can't talk about health and wellness or wellness without talking about sleep. Have some pretty exciting guests coming up in the coming weeks uh, to talk about those things, but we're going to get started this week and talk about eating. I know. Is that a health topic or a wellness topic? I don't know. Um, I think it's both because eating can be so ritualistic. It can be uh, something we do as part of a celebration. It brings us closer to our friends and family and loved ones. Think of how many times food is involved or at the center of an activity that you do with someone you love. So I personally associate food with wellness. Plus, I get really excited about food, you guys. I'm going to holler out an Instagram account that I adore. It's called Registered Dietitian Approved. And looking at these pictures just gets me excited. But it gets me excited about food that's good for my body. Fresh food, colorful food, filling food, food that's fun to make, that's fun to eat, and that's fun to look at. There's tons of different textures of vegetables, and I'll tell you a couple tricks that I do to make sure that I get enough vegetables. Um, We talked in previous episodes about an established care visit. One of the things that I was trained to do at Gonzaga University, go Bulldogs, was to do a 24-hour diet recall, and that is when I look at my watch And I see what time it is, and I go back 24 hours and ask the patient to tell me everything they've had to eat or drink in that 24 hours. You may think 
that you eat pretty healthy or that you eat enough vegetables. But let me tell you, when you start doing 24-hour diet recalls, you will see exactly what you're eating. Uh, And oftentimes when I do that with patients, there's not a vegetable in sight. So I want to give you a couple of things that I do to make sure that I'm getting my vegetables. Um, Vegetables make me feel better. If I don't eat enough vegetables, I notice little aches and and pains that aren't there when I'm getting all of the uh, nutritional value of vegetables and fruits and fresh food. But two of my tricks are smoothies and salads. When I make a smoothie, I kind of follow the directions on the Vitamix, really, but I'm lactose intolerant, so I use water. Some people can use, um, you know, milk or yogurt or something else, but you want at least, what I do is I put two cups of water, and I may even put a little ice in there, or if I'm using frozen berries, I'll use the frozen berries like an ice. I add in a little protein powder. Um, I put in some flaxseed and then I add my greens and if you're looking for smoothie recipes I highly recommend uh, JJ Smith's 10 day smoothie cleanse. I don't know if I recommend the cleanse or not but I use the smoothie recipes all the time myself and what I do to make sure I'm getting enough fresh food as I replace as many days as I can, I replace one meal with a smoothie or with a salad. So I add my water, I add my dry powders like my protein powder, my ground flaxseed. I add some big old handfuls of my favorite greens. Um, I love using spinach and smoothies. I love using, believe it or not, mixed greens. Um, Some people use collards. I like my collards cooked, um, but some people use raw collards. Some people use kale. You know, you the the idea is just to get enough greens in there. And then after I put a couple of handfuls of greens, I like to add some sweetness, Um, some frozen blueberries or frozen pineapples or banana. Uh, There's all kinds of things you can do with smoothies. And to be honest, I got uh, the I, the idea of how to build a good nutritious smoothie um, from J.J. Smith's 10-Day Smoothie Cleanse book. You know, you can make anything a smoothie, uh, <laughs> and that doesn't mean that it's nutritionally sound. Her smoothies are nutritionally sound, and you can probably find other recipes that make sure that they include everything that would qualify for a meal replacement. The beautiful thing about smoothies is uh, they last. You can you can have sip on them throughout the day. You can put it in your refrigerator and and take it with you when you when you feel like it. Um, I usually don't use smoothies that are more than twenty four hours old. Uh, but I like them, especially on days when I know I'm just not going to have time to have a proper breakfast. Um, so that's one of the tricks that I use. Another trick that, why well, I'm not going to call it a trick, but I, I'm obsessed with salads. And I'm obsessed with salads since I learned how to make a good salad. Um, I have a salad for lunch almost every single day. 
And I am a foodie, y'all. I love tasty food. I love different textures of food. I love colorful food. And when I used to build my own salads myself without any outside help or instruction on how to build a salad, I wasn't getting full enough. I wasn't pleased with the taste combinations. And I was just kind of generally frustrated. Um, But then... I found a salad recipe, again, on Registered Dietitian Approved Instagram, and I actually have copied it. I keep y'all's name on it, (laughs) and I give it to patients because I work with a patient population um, that needs more vegetables, and we all know it, but it's not always easy to incorporate vegetables into Um, your diet, you can use the MyPlate method, uh, which tells you how to plate your food to make sure that you're getting enough of of vegetables and and carbs and and proteins. Um, But what I do with my salads is I, I, of course, start with the greens, right? So I start with the greens, and then from there, I put something crunchy, I like pumpkin seeds. I like sunflower seeds. I love sliced almonds. I like walnuts. There's all different kinds of nuts um, that you can put in your salad that give it both crunch and uh, protein and and nutritional value. Um, I like to add, okay, so there's the greens, there's the protein, all kinds of vegetables. it, it becomes kind of a, a science when you figure out food pairing and what tastes good together. So I'll tell you about some of my favorite salads and um, you can kind of have fun with that. One of my favorites is a pear walnut salad and I take spring greens and I put sliced pears um, I like the ajou pears. I don't know if I'm saying that right or not, but I like to peel and slice those and put them in there. And I like to put some goat cheese. I'm one of those people. I like goat cheese or feta or um, what other kind of cheese might be good on that? I don't know. I guess I always use goat cheese. Um, I use candied walnuts in that salad and it's just so good. For those of you that like extra protein, you can put chicken breast, sliced chicken breast or something like that um, in the salad. So that's one of my one of my favorites is my pear walnut salad. Um, in the summertime, when I'm going to parties and we're coming up on the 4th of July weekend, so uh, my 4th of July weekend salad is, I call it my red, white, and blue salad, right? I take spinach and lots of it, and then I add blueberries, strawberries, feta, because I love feta, so there's my red, white, and blue, and then I put sliced almonds, and I use a poppy seed dressing, y'all. That is so good. Again, if you need a little more bulk, you can add some sliced chicken breast. But I typically have a salad every single day. Um, And I'll post on my Instagram my salad recipe and my smoothie recipe so that you guys can kind of see how I build those things. 
I see great results with patients and I, I can personally attest to feeling so much better when I eat fresh food. Do you guys know that 40% of Americans are hypertensive? 40% of Americans have high blood pressure. And one of the things that really contributes to high blood pressure is dietary sodium. Get this, 68% of the sodium that you get in your diet comes from processed foods. It comes from food that you take off a shelf or open up out of a package. Doesn't that blow your mind? 68% of the sodium in our diets that, you know, contributes to hypertension comes from foods that we have to open up out of a package. I just, I think that's wild. You want to take care of your hypertension naturally. You want to do uh, a lifestyle modification so that you don't have to go on blood pressure pills. Avoid processed food. Avoid processed food and you've taken care of almost 70% of the sodium in your diet. If you're opening up a bag, a box, pulling it out of the freezer and putting it into the oven, it's processed. Fresh food spoils. Fresh food you can't buy in bulk because it'll go bad before you can eat it all. And that's kind of the food, well, that is the food that we were created to eat, not something that has a shelf life of a year. In order for it to live on the shelf for a year, it has to be preserved. It has to have preservatives and preservatives are really, really rich in sodium. You want to cut out another 15% of the sodium in your diet? Well, it's found in restaurant meals. A lot of people in my age group grew up with working parents or didn't have someone at home to cook or never learned to cook, you know, and so they eat out quite a bit And there's a lot of sodium hiding in the food in restaurants. Sauces are definitely culprit. Um, I always get my sauce on the side. When I have a salad, I always ask them to put the sauce on the side and not just drench my salad in it. And what I find, y'all, I use way less dressing than what they would put on my salad. I use like less than half consistently. Um, So pay attention to what you're getting in restaurants. Um, Only 13% of the sodium in our diets is added while eating or cooking. And only 4% is found naturally in food. The more natural of a diet you have, the fresher of a diet you have, the less sodium you're going to be taking in. Sodium and water are friends. Sodium and water like to hang out together. So if sodium's on board, water wants to stay and play. I teach my patients that volume equals blood pressure. Volume equals blood pressure. If we have somebody with really low blood pressure, one of the first things we do, if their heart can handle it, is give them a bunch of fluid. Uh, we may have them drink free water. We may have we may pump it into an IV. But when we're trying to get blood pressure to go up, we add volume. So it makes sense that to make blood pressure go down, 
we decrease volume. And there's a lot of people that say, oh yeah, I know, I need to lose weight. Well, most of us do, but what I'm talking about is water weight. The water that's hanging around, partying with the sodium that we have on board. If you want to cut sodium in your diet, eat fresh food, and um, as little processed food as you can. I love it when patients say, I never use a salt shaker. I don't put salt on anything. You don't have to if you're eating processed food. You're getting more than enough through the food that you're eating. Okay, I've harped on that long enough. Sorry, guys. I'm kind of passionate about um, the sodium issue and blood pressure because um, hypertensive diseases are devastating. Hypertension usually doesn't come with a lot of symptoms. There are people walking around with high blood pressure and they don't know it until it's worn out the vessels and organs in their body to the point where they're having chest discomfort or problems with their kidneys or strokes or you know heart attacks. All kinds of different things can come from prolonged, untreated, high blood pressure. So sodium in your diet is, is a big deal to me because it's such a simple thing to avoid. Uh, if you look at your own family history, and I'll use myself for an example. My grandmother on my mom's side died at 57 from heart disease. Uh, my grandmother on my dad's side died at 34 from an aneurysm. My I have an, um, several aunts who are hypertensive. My mother's hypertensive, actually had an aortic dissection where her vessel, her aorta vessel was worn out so bad it split. Um, my father had hypertension. So if you're like me and you can find people in your family who had high blood pressure or diseases of hypertension, my dad died from kidney failure, which um, is a hypertensive disease. You already know you don't need to be eating processed foods. And, and I say all the time, genes get too much credit. Habits are passed down too. You may not be genetically predisposed to something, but what you learned, how you learned to eat, how you learned to care for your body came from the people who raised you. So don't think and I did this for years, y'all. Don't think that because everybody else in your family had it, you're going to have it too, so why try? A lot of these issues that come up in our lives, in our family medical history, are not genetic whatsoever. They are habits that are passed down. So remember, you don't have to put a salt shaker on your food. Unless you're eating fresh produce and fresh food, you're getting a lot of salt. Um, okay, I'm going to move into the topic of meaningful movement. Ooh, meaningful movement. Um, when I talk to patients about exercise, it's not a happy subject. And to be honest, it makes me kind of sad because why do you want to spend time doing something that doesn't bring joy to you. Like, you know, um, is it Maria Kondo? Marie Kondo 
there's a, a gal with a, a show on TV right now that helps you declutter your house. And if it doesn't spark joy, you get rid of it. Why would we want to spend our lives doing something that doesn't spark joy? I don't want to spend my life doing something that doesn't spark joy. So patients will say, should I get a gym membership? They'll say, should I, you know, how much walking should I do? Or I try to get 10,000 steps a day. 10,000 steps in one day is grueling if you're not having fun. If you don't enjoy the way you're getting those steps, it is torture. So when I say meaningful movement, I mean moving in a way that brings joy to you. Playing outside with your kids. I have a few patients who are ballroom dancers and they go out and and they dance a couple nights a week and, and it makes them very happy and they're very healthy. That's meaningful movement, okay? I have a dog. Um, y'all, I actually have four dogs. I guess it just sounds so ridiculous to say that out loud. That's neither here nor there. I have dogs, and I love walking my dogs. I love watching them sniff and explore, and they look so happy when they're out on walks, and I'm usually listening to an audiobook or a podcast, and it's just a good time for all. That's meaningful movement. You know where you're probably not going to see me is on a treadmill. I, I've been meaning to look this up. Um, because we do treadmill tests, we do stress tests at my job, and it's just torture. It looks like torture, and I've been meaning to look up if a, whether or not treadmills were created <laughs> to torture people. If you all find the answer to that, leave a comment under the Instagram post for this episode. <laughs> um, I also uh, recommend to people all the time Take your favorite genre of music, your favorite artist, what have you, put them in Spotify, hit play, and dance. Dancing is meaningful movement. You get your heart rate up. It's hard to dance and be grumpy, so I'm pretty sure it's good for your mental health too. And, um, you know, it's just a fun thing to do. Um, It might feel ridiculous at first, but if you have children around, it's so natural for them and they'll enjoy dancing with you and and you'll enjoy dancing. I don't know, I I love to dance and a lot of my patients are are excited to hear that, yes, that's an option for getting your cardio, put your favorite playlist on and, and get to dancing. Another thing that I personally do for part of a wellness practice is yoga. Um, I came up I came across yoga in a very difficult time in my life when, you know, it kept kind of showing up, but I wasn't really paying it any attention. And when I found myself, um, I don't want to say at my wits end, but I'll say my mom was in the cardiothoracic ICU intubated and uh, not doing very well on the spontaneous breathing trials. So um, we didn't know if they were going to be able to extubate her for a little while. Um, and that was really, really traumatic for me and hard, even though I've always worked in healthcare. Like since I was 17 years old, I've been in healthcare. But when you go through it with a family member, 
it's really different. And I couldn't help her. And um, I just I just didn't know what to do. And I started a yoga challenge, a beginning yoga challenge. It was a 21-day challenge through Yoga Green Book. I signed up for a 30-day free trial, and I did the 21-day challenge, and uh, it, it it changed everything. The very first lesson, y'all, was on breathing. And they, you know, if you stop and just listen to yourself breathe in an observant kind of way, it is really, really comforting. Your own breath is comforting. Um, And from there, I learned a different pose every day until at the end of the challenge, I had 21 poses and what we call a flow. So now yoga is part of my daily practice for myself. Um, I have a playlist that I like to, to practice to. Sometimes I practice in silence. Sometimes I go out in the back of my house in the morning while my dogs run around and, and do some yoga. And sometimes I go to hot yoga class because it's just yummy. But whatever you're doing for movement, make it something that you enjoy and get creative and have fun because life is too short to spend on a treadmill. So we're coming to a close with today's episode, and I I hope it was helpful. Maybe it was a little scattered. I tend to be at times, but hopefully there was some good information in there for you. I'm so excited for some upcoming guests on wellness that I'll have on the podcast. I'm not going to give it away just yet um, because I don't want to jinx it. It's that good. And hey, next week, I'm going to Essence Fest. Oh yes, I will be in New Orleans for the first time at Essence Fest for the first time. If you see me, do me a favor and say hey. Um, I will be participating mostly in the Wellness House, and this is the first year um, that they've had a Wellness House at Essence. So I'm really excited. Uh, for all the different speakers and activities. And I can't wait to come back and share information with you all. That said, I'm going to be out of town next week, so there will not be an episode, uh, a full episode at least, of the Purple Stethoscope. I hope you have a safe and wonderful 4th of July. I hope you all celebrated Juneteenth. I know I did. I'll be back the week after next with an awesome guest. So stay tuned. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Purple Stethoscope. I'm your host, Devin Nixon, family nurse practitioner. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at D the NP. That's at symbol D like Devin, the NP like nurse practitioner. If you like what you've heard today, go ahead and share the episode or even better yet, rate and review. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.